0: Good morning, everyone. As Ben said, my name is Micah. I'm a volunteer with Christ Chapel here in the college ministry. Uh, A little bit about myself, I'm actually from Dallas. I ran track at Texas A&M and uh, I have a beautiful wife who is my second favorite person in the world behind Jesus. Uh, We have three beautiful children, a five-year-old son, a three-year-old girl, and a three-month-old son. Uh, And we, yes, he is adorable, he's huge. it's a chubby, chubby little one. Um, so yeah, and we recently moved from Denver after living there for eight years. But the most important thing about who I am as a person is that I believe that a man named Jesus, that lived two thousand years ago, claimed to be God, died, resurrected, then he appeared to hundreds of people and started the most influential movement in human history called Christianity. Jesus is extremely significant in my life today, and he is in yours too. And I hope that you'll see that in God's word today. Speaking of God's word, we'll be in 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. Uh, this story is uh, likely really familiar to most of you, if not all of you. It is about David and Goliath. And uh, there, there's a lot of, uh, there's a common uh, way that this story is seen and viewed in sports, and media, and it's just this classic underdog story, right? David's this shrimp of a man, and he goes up against this giant Goliath and defeats him. And so what the world teaches us and tells us is that the lesson is that you you can do whatever you set your mind to, right? It doesn't matter whether you're the underdog, like, you can do it. You have the strength. It's all up to you. And honestly, I I believe this is what every other world religion teaches as well. It's up to you to get to heaven. It's up to you to be good enough. It's up to you to be made whole. It's up to you to be made right with God, uh, to to be um, enlightened, whatever it looks like. I believe that that's what all other world religions teach is it is up to you. The problem is that's not at all what this passage says. Uh, This passage uh, says that David is never the underdog. That's a completely backwards view of this story because God is never the underdog. Um, So I also think we all face challenges, circumstances, Goliaths of our own. I'm sure you've experienced them in the past. I'm sure you've got some going on right now, and I can guarantee you will in the future. I know I have had a lot going on in the past and, and currently have a lot of chaos going on right now, uh, when I was nine years old, my mother died of cancer. Uh, at the end of my freshman year of college at a my sister died. And presently right now, this year, I moved, I uprooted from a, a, a place that I loved. I loved being in Denver, I loved my work there because my father-in-law was diagnosed with stage four cancer. So how am I supposed to respond to all of it? What am I supposed to do, I hope? this passage will answer this question today. Let me pray for us and then we'll dive into the text. God, I ask that you would speak through me and make your truths made known. I ask you would give us ears to hear and more importantly, hearts that would listen. Lastly, please increase our faith. Let us leave here trusting you more than when we entered. And I pray this in Jesus' name and through your Holy Spirit, amen. So 1 Samuel 17, if you haven't turned there, go ahead and do that. Uh, I'm going to give a little bit of context of the characters. So you've got Israel, which is God's people, his chosen people, and they have a king named Saul. At this point in 1 Samuel, God has rejected Saul. So he's still king, but God has said, you're not going to be king forever. And I'm bringing in a new king, King David. And and David was introduced uh, last week in chapter 16. And so David is God's king. Uh, the last character in this story uh, or, or context is the Philistines. The Philistines are at war with Israel. So they're, they're fighting, they're battling. And in the first seven verses of chapter 17, we see that the Israelites are on one mountain and the Philistines are on another facing each other and they come down into a valley to, to war, to battle. And this huge, mountain of a man named Goliath. He's probably somewhere in between seven to 10 feet tall. His armor alone weighs 125 pounds. He's just this huge dude. The, the, the armies converge in the valley and Goliath steps forward and we're gonna, we're gonna hear what Goliath has to say to the Israelites. Uh, pick up with me in verse eight. He, Goliath, stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to drop for battle? They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Do you feel the stress of this situation? It's not a normal circumstance or challenge. This is a battle. This is war. This is a fight to the death. Goliath is putting himself forward and saying he's willing to die and he's inviting an Israelite and particularly Saul to do the same. And we see two responses to this stressful situation. On one hand, we have Goliath, who is full of pride, and on the other, we have Saul, who is full of fear. So Goliath is full of pride. He sees the challenge and he says, I'm good enough. I can do this, I got this, I'm worthy. And to be honest, sometimes I say the same thing in my own life. I think I know a teaching before someone's taught it to me. I justify wrongs that I do, I think, I'm strong enough, I'm good looking enough, I'm smart enough, I'm fill in the blank enough. I think I'm above certain types of work or certain types of people. I have trouble asking for help. What evidence of pride do you have in your life? How do you say, I'm worthy? Do you manipulate friends, focus on your image, scroll endlessly on social media, post endlessly on social media, procrastinate, don't leave a relationship you should, drink excessively, look at pornography, play video games all the time, use drugs, ignore people that need help? Are you obsessed with achievement? trying to make your life resume just as flawless as possible. There are so many vices we turn to. Some are more acceptable and some are less acceptable in our society, but the problem is not the vices in themselves, it's that our heart is saying, I trust myself and I'm good enough. Just this morning, my wife sent me a picture of our three-year-old daughter. Um, she found access to scissors, which is never a good uh, thing for a three-year-old, and she proceeded to cut off probably like four inches of her hair right in the front. Um, This is especially upsetting because we are quite literally taking family photos this week, Uh, so that will be uh, just ingrained in our family history forever. Uh, And yes, it is a problem that her name is Bonnie, it is a problem that Bonnie will look like a goofus forever in our family photos because of uh, her actions. But once again, the greater greater problem is not the action that she cut her hair. The greater problem is that she's not trusting us. She's trusting herself. She's saying, I can do this. So we we see pride. We see Goliath is full of pride. On the other hand, we see Saul is full of fear. Saul sees the challenge and he thinks, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I'm not worthy. And sometimes I say the same thing. I run from my challenges. I avoid them. I numb. I become anxious. I freeze. I hide. I isolate myself. What evidence of fear do you see in your life? How do you say, I'm not worthy. I can't do this. Do you manipulate friends? Focus on your image, scroll endlessly through social media, post endlessly on social media, procrastinate, don't leave a relationship you should, drink excessively, look at porn, play video games all the time, use drugs, ignore people that need help. Are you trying to achieve that perfect life resume? Regardless of our our vices of choice, they, they can look the same, they can look different, the problem is the heart of pride and fear that we have in trusting ourselves. We ultimately say, it's up to me just like Goliath, just like Saul. And these vices, this this heart posture and these vices just lead to devastation, destruction, and death. And ultimately, a, a spiritual death, a permanent separation from a permanent God for all of eternity. So we can respond in pride, we can respond in fear, trusting ourselves, how else can we respond? Well in steps David and in verses 12 through 33 uh, we see David is this young shepherd boy. He's the youngest of eight brothers and three of his oldest brothers have gone off to war. So they're at the battle uh, with the Israelites and Philistines. They're on the Israelite side and David is going back and forth from home to the battle lines supplying his brothers with food um, and also supplying some of their leaders and commanders. And so David witnesses Goliath. He sees him. He hears his mocking of God and the Israelites uh, and he um, sees, he witnesses the Israelites terrified and running and, and no one standing up. And it says that Goliath did this for 40 days straight, over a month, 40 days, every single day they would meet each other in the valley. Goliath stands up, says, I mock you, I mock your God, Come and fight me, and everyone runs. David sees this again and again. And I think it's a good reminder that the challenges we face, God never promises this is going to be a one day thing. Like, I'm just, it's going to be quick, it's going to be painless, like, it'll be a challenge, and you'll get up. Sometimes our, our challenges, our Goliaths, our circumstances, sometimes they're repetitive, sometimes they're taunting. So David sees all this going on. He sees Goliath. He hears the speech. He sees the Israelites running. And he starts to, to challenge the Israelites. He starts to kind of verbally question them of, hey, why is no one, you know, going up and fighting this guy, right? And Saul's, Saul hears about kind of this uh, stirring up that David is causing. And so he brings David to him. And David says, I'll fight this guy. Like, I'll fight Goliath. And Saul, with, in my opinion, great irony, says, you can't. Like, you're just a youth. He's been a warrior since his youth. I think it's ironic because the truth is, David can't fight Goliath if he's on his own. Um, so we're gonna pick up where David responds to Saul after Saul has told him he's not able uh, in verse 34. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lion, uh, lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth and if he rose up against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. David responds drastically differently than than anyone else right you have thousands of Israelites they're all looking at Goliath they're all looking at the circumstance the challenge itself and and they're paralyzed right David responds uh, with trusting God he sees God first and he sees how big and grand and powerful and how great his God is and what does that do to Goliath it makes him seem a lot smaller So David trusts God, but what does that actually mean? What does it mean to trust in God? I'd like to unpack that. So David does a couple things here. Uh, He first remembers who God is. That's the first thing that David does. He sees how grand God is. That's the first thing he does. And once again, that makes Goliath become small. And David never saw himself as the underdog because David understood God is never the underdog. The second thing, so the first thing, David remembers who God is. The second thing is that David remembers how God has already been faithful in his life. He remembers how God has already been faithful in his life. He says, God, who delivered me from the lion and the bear will deliver me from this Philistine. And just real quick, he's not testing God, he's trusting God. Testing God would be saying, okay God, if you beat this Philistine, then I will believe you, then I'll praise you, then I'll honor you, if God, if you do this, if you do that, then I'll do that. So if David were to say that, David would say, yeah, if you beat Goliath, then I'll worship you. But he doesn't do that. Trusting God says, God, you said X, Y, Z, so I will do X, Y, Z. It's not an if statement to God. It's a, this is true of you, God, therefore I'm going to. So David says, God, you are against Goliath, mocking you and mocking your people. So I will go and fight Goliath knowing that you are with me, that you are on my side. He's trusting God, he's not testing him. So in verses 38 through 44, uh, Saul tries to give his armor to David, and David says no. Uh, He puts it on, he's like, I haven't tested this, I haven't used this before, and I don't need it, frankly. And so he, he enters this battle with this giant with a staff, a wooden staff, a sling, and five stones, and that's it. So he stands before Goliath, and Goliath mocks David, mocks God, mocks the Israelites just like he has been, breathes out threats to David and the Israelites, and we're gonna pick up in verse 45 where David responds. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. If David's language seems kind of intense, uh, he's essentially repeating the same threats that Goliath just breathed out to him. So he's saying, actually, what you just said, God's gonna flip the script. He's actually gonna do that to you. Um, Yeah, so the last thing, so what we saw first was David remembers who God is. He remembers how God has been faithful. And here we see David moves forward based on God's truths, right? He doesn't just intellectually agree that, okay, God, this is who you are, and this is how you've been faithful. He's actually obedient in God's truths. He moves forward in fighting Goliath. And so pride and fear, we saw, says the battle is up to me. It's up to me. Faith says the battle is the Lord's. He's present. He's faithful. And so, the rest of the passage, 48 through 58, there we see a quick battle. David hits Goliath with the first stone, bonk, knocks him out, and then he proceeds to cut off his head just like he promised. The Israelites pursue and defeat the Philistine army, they plunder them, and then David is recognized in front of King Saul. So, I know I mentioned uh, at the beginning that, that I'm going through some tough circumstances, some Goliaths in my life right now. And to be really honest, I don't know how they'll go. I don't know what life will be like moving forward with three children. Seems really hard. I love my kids, but it's hard. I don't know how my job will be if I'll enjoy it. And I don't know how long my father-in-law has. So how can I respond? How should I respond? First, I wanna remember who God is. I know God from his word that he loves me, that he's all-powerful that he knows what I'm going through and he empathizes with me. I also know that he's in control of every challenge that I'm facing right now. I wanna remember who God is. I wanna remember God's faithfulness. He was present and working in my life when my mother died, even though I didn't even believe in him yet. And he walked with me through my sister's death. Most importantly, he rescued me from my sins. I want to remember how Jesus was was faithful to go onto the cross for me, for my fear, for my pride, for my unfaithfulness. I want to remember who God is. I want to remember his faithfulness. And lastly, I want to move forward based on God's truths. Scripture calls me to raise my kids up in God's ways and receive mercy when I fail. Scripture says to work with all of my heart as if I'm working for the Lord and that I can receive rest from God when I'm weary. And scripture says that even if my father-in-law passes away, that I'm to grieve, but not without hope because I have a hope that Jesus will resurrect him as he will me. This is what the Bible is all about, the, the biblical narrative, the whole Bible story is all about. It all points to Jesus as Savior. And so as we've walked through this text, like, don't we, don't we picture ourselves as David? Like, as we've been walking through, you're like, okay, how can I be David, right? Like, that's who you've been kind of picturing yourself, but that's actually not the biblical narrative. Uh, we aren't David. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're an Israelite waiting, watching, witnessing and ultimately celebrating the victory that Jesus wins. The Bible communicates that Jesus is David. He's the one who fights for us. He defeats sin and death. He he trusted his father completely like we never could. And then you have Goliath. The ultimate Goliath in our lives is sin and death and ultimately a spiritual death which is permanent separation from God. That leaves one last category. For those of you who are not a follower of Jesus, I have really bad news for you. The Bible has bad news for you. You're a Philistine. You're following Goliath, you're against God, and and you're just hoping that Goliath will win. But the Bible has really good news for you too. Jesus welcomes you to join him, to follow him. You can literally just hop battle lines and join in his victory. Jesus himself said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent means to turn. So so what Jesus is saying is turn. Turn from trusting in yourself and your vices and your ways that that are not lasting, that are reaping destruction. Turn to me. Take take my grace and my victory and live in my ways. This gospel, this good news that Jesus refers to is, is himself, that he as God became a man. He lived life perfectly according to God's ways like we never could. He died the death on the cross that we, that you and I deserve. And then he resurrected, inviting us into an eternal life of, long relationship with God, an ever-loving, ever-deepening relationship with God himself. That's what Jesus beckons you into. And so if you are not a follower of Jesus today, I have one application for you, and it is to trust Jesus, not yourself. You don't know and I don't know if you have 40 years, 40 months, 40 weeks, maybe you only have 40 days like Goliath had. If you have questions about God or about what it looks like to put your faith in him, please, you're welcome to come talk to me afterward. You can talk to another staff member. Talk to the person who invited you here. Uh, Maybe they're not here, so talk to them afterward today. Grab lunch or dinner or whatever with them. Talk to someone about what it looks like to put your faith in Jesus. But please, put your hope in his life, death, and resurrection. If you are a follower of Jesus, trust in him and not yourself today surrender your challenges to God, knowing that the battle is his. Don't think your battles are yours and respond in pride or in fear. And there are three ways that we're going to follow <clears throat> Jesus and trust him today. First, remember who God is. This requires that you know who God is, and he's revealed himself in his scriptures, in the Bible, in his word. And so here's a quick litmus test for you. The, the challenges you're facing when you think of something hard you're going through, who do you go to first? Do you go to friends, family, mentors, the internet for answers, or do you seek God, his word, his counsel? So how much time are you spending in God's word to get to know him so that you can remember who he is? So we're gonna remember who he is. The second thing, we're gonna remember God's faithfulness. This requires prayer, asking God hey, where were you in this time of my life? What have you been doing? What are you doing this week? What are you doing with these challenges that I'm facing now? Spend time connecting with God. And most importantly about remembering God's faithfulness is remembering Jesus' work on the cross, that he died for you, he sacrificed himself. So how much time are you spending talking with God about your life and connecting with him? And lastly, so we're gonna remember who God is, we're gonna remember his faithfulness, and then we're gonna move forward based on his truths. This requires faith. You won't see God, but you can trust in his truths and remain obedient in them. Let me pray for us. Thank you God for making your truths and yourself known to us through your word. That we have hope in who you are and we can know who you are and and who we are. God, I ask that you would continue to open our hearts to you and I pray that you would increase our faith, that we would glorify you this week and leave here trusting you more than when we entered. And I pray this in Jesus' name and through your spirit, amen.